0: thank you for joining us for the lessons from First Naz Podcast. I'm glad that you're with us this morning, and a good good group of people here, even with 21 or 22 fellows gone, but uh, I'm just glad you're here this morning. If you're new, if you're a visitor, uh, my name is Bill Bull, and I'm an associate pastor here, and our pastor, Pastor Paul, is able to be with the with the men this weekend and that was important for him and for them as well i'm sure i'm going back a good many years as i begin this message this morning it was a hot summer afternoon and it was right in the middle of summer as i remember it had been a long long week for me a tiring week I had been away from home a good share of the time, and this was in the day before FaceTime and cell phones, and and uh, in fact, there were long-distance phone cards people had. Some of you remember using those <clears throat> and uh, putting all those numbers in and so on when you made a call from something called a phone booth. <clears throat> so like I said, this was a while back. Uh I was finally nearing home, I was probably forty to f- 45 to 50 minutes away, and I was just looking forward to getting home and getting cleaned up and out of <clears throat> filthy clothes that I w- had been wearing. I was driving an 18-wheeler on Highway 195 north of Pullman, <clears throat> and I came around a corner and there was a small faded blue Honda Civic off on my side of the road, and there was just the. Uh, little bit of a shoulder and then a steep bank. And this little car was just sitting at a crazy angle there. And uh, I didn't see anyone around. <clears throat> didn't give it much thought really, though it looked vaguely familiar to me. But I was so tired I was just concentrating on keeping awake and keeping that rig on the road and and driving safely. And uh, I just continued on my way uh, headed south and down here to Lewiston. Within an hour, I had I had parked the truck and gotten into my got into my own pickup and went home. We lived up in the Lewiston orchards then. And as I walked up the steps to our home, uh, all I could think about was getting in, getting out of those clothes, getting cleaned up, and going to bed because I was I was really tired. I hadn't spoken to Bonnie for several days, and uh, she was there when I arrived. I hadn't been in the house but just a few moments, and uh, I realized that something was wrong. The look on her face just made it crystal clear. Uh, I began to have a sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach as I looked at her, and I thought, oh boy, what now? What had happened? Was some of our family in trouble or injured or even worse? And my thoughts were just racing in my mind, and the look of pain on Bonnie's face made it clear that something very clearly was amiss. Something was very wrong. And she said, something has happened to Jeff, and Jeff was our son. He was uh, probably 18 or 19 years old then, He's missing, she said. He's been gone for several days. His car was found parked along the highway just outside of Pullman. There's no sign of what may have happened or where he's at. And the moment she made the comment about his car being parked outside of Pullman, it hit me. That was Jeff's Honda Civic that was sitting there alongside the highway at that crazy angle, that crazy position. We sat down on the living room sofa, and Bonnie began to tell me what had been taking place since she had received a, a telephone call the day before from uh, a young couple who were friends of, of our son, and they had called wondering if, if she knew where he might be. They told Bonnie that several days earlier, <clears throat> Jeff had been at their home on an evening and that at one point late in the evening, he'd collapsed on the living room floor. They thought he was having some kind of a seizure, but after a little bit, he got up, and they said he was acting kind of strange. He wasn't himself, but uh, after a little bit, he said that he was going to be leaving, and he would contact them the next day, but he failed to show up that next morning or to get in contact with them, And this couple had become increasingly concerned about him, his whereabouts, and especially in light of what had happened that evening. Our son had turned 18 the previous year to this incident. He'd moved out of our home and and into an apartment with several other young men, and uh, he had uh, he, they lived across town from us. We would see him several times a week usually, but not as often as as previously. He had become increasingly involved with alcohol and drugs. And to say that, <clears throat> that Bonnie and I were were deeply concerned is really putting it mildly. <clears throat> I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if most parents who have found themselves with uh, children and in similar situations to Bonnie and I that day uh, wouldn't be able to understand the emotions that we were feeling that afternoon. But where was Jeff? What could have happened to him? And Bonnie had just told me he had been missing for several days. She had been unable to locate anyone that she had called or contacted that had seen him or spoken with him prior to the evening that couple uh, had seen him, prior to that evening when he'd been at their home. One question after another raced through my mind <clears throat> and uh, as we began to discuss what might have happened and uh, what we should do. Because of the information the couple had had provided, Bonnie and I were really frightened that... that uh, Jeff was really in some kind of trouble. We were concerned, really concerned for his welfare. And in fact, to put it bluntly, we wondered, we wondered if he was still alive. What could we do? What should we do? Well, that afternoon as we sat there and talked, we, and she had filled me in on all the details. I have to tell you, it was with a feeling of despair that we began to lift up our son before the Heavenly Father in prayer. And it was with real sharp feelings of helplessness that we cried for him that day. Some of you here this morning have experienced and understand the emotions that, that Bonnie and I were experiencing that day. You know what it's like to have a son or a daughter or a spouse or a close family member whom you love deeply far away from god far away yes you know what it's like last week pastor paul shared a powerful message with us about prayer and praying in the spirit and this morning i want us to consider additional words of the apostle paul as he wrote his letter to the church at philippi and this first verses or first two verses are from philippians chapter 4 i would imagine that some of you have them highlighted on your smartphone or underlined in your bible philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 reads don't worry about anything instead Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This was at a period of time in history when Christians were the minority, a small minority. Those who stood firm, and Pastor Paul spoke about standing firm last week, those who stood firm when it came to living life as the Savior had taught were often ridiculed and put down as, as, uh, as often as the subject would ever come up or they would be around groups of people. It was not easy living the lifestyle that Jesus had demonstrated and taught. No, it wasn't easy for those Christians during that time. Often, though, the Christians found themselves at odds uh, with people who considered themselves the official church. People who were scribes and Pharisees and followed their teachings, those people were recognized or felt they should be recognized as the real religious people and the church of that day. These were religious folks who had memorized countless words of scripture from the Torah. They saw themselves as faultless when they prayed the correct number of times every day. This was the church that was politically and socially correct, socially proper to be a part of, and it was recognized as the popular church of that day. If you wanted to be part of the in-crowd, you were part of that group. But Christians, hmm. <clears throat> I'm sure that there were those in the Christian church at Philippi who had sons and daughters who lived exactly opposite the way of life that their parents had wished. There must have been children who, when they had reached the age where they went out on their own, just turned their backs on the teachings that they had heard from their parents, learned from their parents, and they just went out, and did their their own thing. No doubt there were those in the church at Philippi who had husbands or wives or children or other close relatives or even friends who were the cause of much pain for them, pain because of the ridicule heaped upon them for having chosen the way of Christ. But you know something? Those Christians at Philippi had something that the so-called accepted religion of the day did not offer its followers. In fact, there were a good number of things, part of a Christian's life which they enjoyed that were consistent, unburdensome, and life-changing. The Christians in Philippi knew with a vivid and sharp clarity what it was like to lay down at night with the peace of mind that comes only from knowing that their sins were forgiven and they were walking through life hand in hand as it were with the savior they had become acquainted with the peace that the apostle paul referred to in the scriptures that, that we just read they were acquainted with that peace that can come only from god When they awakened each morning and prepared to leave their homes and go out into what they saw as the hectic pace of their world, their day, they did so knowing that Christ had really gone before them. He knew what was ahead, and he walked with them, gave them confidence, gave them courage, and they knew, they had the knowledge that they could step out and go hand in hand as it were with Christ throughout that day. The Apostle Paul's letter to these people, these Christians, was one which had has already encouraged them, already encouraged them to live a life worthy of the gospel that they claimed as their own. He had challenged them. Maybe I should say that Paul tells them what he expects of them when he writes in Philippians 1 27 these words. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together. Or in one translation, side by side, standing side by side. I like that. With one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. I really like the picture that I have in my mind when I read those words, standing together or standing side by side, and a portion of the strength that those people receive and that we receive comes from being enabled to be part of a church family where there is a unified spirit, and uh, we're part of the greatest family on on this earth, the family of God. And, uh, and uh, in Philippians 1, verse 30, we see the Apostle Paul reminding them that we are in this struggle together. We don't go through life alone. When we're part of God's family, when we're part of a church family like ours right here, we don't go through life all on our own. Friends, this, that is the very same family that, like I said, we enjoy being a part of Today. And the benefits that we enjoy as part of that family simply can't have a cash value placed on them. That afternoon, as Bonnie and I sat on the edge of the bed and prayed for our son Jeff, we really just felt an utter helplessness in knowing where to begin to attempt to locate him, who to call, where to go, where to look. But we knew that people in our church family were already praying for Jeff and praying for Bonnie and me as well. Bonnie had called our church prayer chain Uh, the previous day after she had learned what had happened and that he was missing. And the call had gone out to the faithful people who were part of this church at that time and they began to pray Uh, this was uh, the prayer chain at that time. Uh, Several people were called, and they called several more and went to several more. And uh, some of you here this morning were part of that prayer chain that would have received a call that day to pray for Jeff. Last week, Pastor Paul quoted Ephesians 618, which says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. We're to pray for each other. We're to pray for all believers everywhere. Uh, The praying Christian is going to be someone who prays for others. That's called intercession or intercessory prayer when we pray for others. That intercessory prayer is what happens when the people on a prayer chain are contacted and asked to pray. Dr. David Busick, one of the general superintendents in the Church of the Nazarene, stated recently that intercession is specifically praying for those God has providentially placed in your circle of relationships. That's, that's one I think we could think about and chew on a little bit. Intercession is specifically praying for those God has providentially placed in your circle of relationships. And then he went on to add, intercession is specific. Love sees faces. Uh, The people that we run into throughout the day, whether it's a a clerk uh, helping, helping you out up at Home Depot or at Walmart or Costco, people we run into we think by chance is an opportunity for us to pray a prayer of intercession for that person and whatever they may be experiencing or going through. People who are on a prayer chain may often be unacquainted with the person they're asked to pray for, but they know who has asked for prayer for that person, and they see those faces, and so they intercede on behalf of people that they know. The end result are prayers prayed for that person in need. The German uh, Lutheran pastor, pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, once said this, It is clear that intercessory prayer is not something general and vague, but something very concrete. It is interested in specific persons and specific difficulties, and therefore specific requests. The more concrete my intercessory prayer becomes, the more promising it is. Most of you are aware that we have a a prayer chain in our church. There are more than 100 people on it. And uh, when Pastor Paul or Pastor Becca or I receive a request for prayer, uh, normally it's whomever gets it first. We will go to, to a computer and we will send that request out and it goes to the people on that on that prayer chain who have indicated their willingness to pray by simply allowing their names to be part of that prayer chain. Needs of every kind are brought to the people in that group on a regular basis. There are weeks that there will be several requests sent out and then it will get quiet for for, uh, several days. But if you're not part of that group and would be willing to become an intercessor, and join the many others right here in our church family who respond when the call to pray is sent out, you can simply email the church office at office at firstnaz.com and just ask to be placed on that prayer chain and you'll begin to get uh, the prayer requests that are sent out. Uh, You can even scratch prayer chain and put your email address on it on a scratch of paper and put it in that offering box at the back and we'll get it so we can add you to the prayer chain. Bonnie and I were able on that summer afternoon to take comfort in the very real fact that we were not walking through this rough place in the path of life on our own. We knew that being part of the family of God and part of this church family, uh, which believe people stood together during the hard times in life, uh, not only in their walk with the Savior, but in their walk with each other. And people were praying for us and lifting us up before our Heavenly Father. The solid foundation each of us can have build upon a life of forgiveness of our Savior, is but the beginning. It really is. When Paul was exhorting his followers to stand side by side, to stand together, he knew that they did not have to do it alone, but they did it as part of a great family with Christ at its head. Sadly, we live in a world where there are far too many Christians who are on retreat, I think. Christians who, when things difficult, even play down their Christianity. The true Christian stands fast, like Pastor Paul said last week, stands firm, unashamed in any company. He or she stands with others as part of a unified group of believers in Christ and is able to count himself or herself a member of the family of God. After my return home that summer afternoon. I'd been home for several hours when our telephone rang. I picked it up and it was Jeff. I hear you've been looking for me, he said. What do you want? <laughs> and uh, part of me wanted to smack him alongside the face if he had have been close and at the same time there was just an overwhelming sense of relief and that swept over bonnie as well as she right, realized imidi- immediately immediately uh, that it was jeff and we realized he was safe and uh, just welled up a, a great feeling of thanksgiving to god for hearing and answering prayer even today all these years later we have no idea where jeff was during that time it doesn't matter Several years after that incident, Jeff gave his life to Jesus and the past no longer mattered. Bonnie and I are simply thankful that our Heavenly Father heard us and hears us when we pray. And he heard those in our church family who were praying during that time as well. Last week, during his message, Pastor Paul said this, never be embarrassed to ask for prayer. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are to pray for each other. Oh, how true that is. And I I have to tell you, we have people that will call us uh, on the pastoral staff and ask us to pray, but they don't want anybody else to know. Certainly there are occasions when that's all right, and it should be that way. But sometimes people just don't seem to want others to know that they're going through a rough time in life and hurting. And yet, in Galatians 6.2, we're reminded, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Yes, we are to share each other's burdens. We're to stand side by side. We're in this together. We're part of the family of God. As I recall this incident with jeff i had to wonder at the influence of the family of god and what it must have had on him as he was growing up in this church i wondered how many sunday school teachers had shown him love and encouraged him and uh, been concerned about him as he passed through their classes over the years What kind of an impression did youth workers make on him when he became a teen that must have been imprinted on his mind, uh, even at times when he was probably a real pain in the neck (laughs) to some of those that had him in their group? I remember one youth worker who, who took him fishing for a day, another youth pastor who took him bird hunting, one morning. And I wonder, did God use them to influence him to return to the fold later on or down the pathway of life? I wonder what kind of an impression the Vacation Bible Schools may have had on him and the teachers and workers and all the volunteers that were part of those VBSs over the years that Jeff attended. I wonder how many people in the family of God prayed for Jeff and his parents over the years, and and his sisters, too. I wonder at the impact of prayers Jeff listened to in youth group, in Sunday school, in Sunday morning services just like ours. Oh, he would no doubt have chosen to be anywhere else many times. But he was in church, hearing the Word of God, hearing the prayers that were prayed, Hearing the encouragement, and it may have seemed as if it was going in one ear and just out the other, but I wonder, I still wonder about the impact that the church family had on him as he grew. I'm convinced we'll probably never know much of what results from our faithful and consistent faith and commitment to Jesus until we're ushered in through the gates of heaven. But I believe we're going to be surprised when we get there, and absolutely filled overflowing with joy, should God allow us to see what was beginning in the lives of those people who have been touched by our own lives as we serve the Master and He works through us and in us the priceless worth of a church family which recognizes the need, the absolute need, for carrying each other's burdens, for standing side by side during the hard times of life, for praying for each other, and for presenting a unified front in the battle for souls for the kingdom, will not, it will not be realized, this side of heaven. Friends, I firmly believe That God has blessed Bonnie and I as never before by allowing us the very real and distinct privilege of being a part of this portion of the family, of God's family, and we praise Him for His goodness to us. May we always be counted as a group of Christians who stand together in a united front in service to our Heavenly Father. We're family we really are we're family let's remember those words in philippians one twenty-seven as we go this morning above all you must live as citizens of heaven conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about christ then whether i come and see you again or only hear about you i will know that you are standing together or like i said earlier side by side with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Praise his name. Would you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we have the privilege and the joy to be part of the family of God. And that we have the privilege and joy of being part of this church family here at First Naz. Lord, I thank you for the the people, the faithful people in this church who uh, encouraged and prayed for and taught and directed our kids as they grew. We thank you for the influence of godly people who you have used and continue to use even today in touching lives and changing lives. Father, I pray that as we go out into the week before us, we'll realize that that, uh, we can be an intercessor prayer warrior each day as we come in contact with people that you have placed in our pathway. Lord, when you remind us to pray, help us to be quick to be faithful and pray for the people that you place in our path this week. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so very much. And as we leave this place, we go, knowing we go together, we stand together, we go hand in hand with you, Lord. In your precious name, we ask this and pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.